0: Hey, ladies. Hi. Hi. Uh, excuse us, recovering from a little giggle attack. <laughs> you know us. <laughs> you know us, just laughing our asses uh-huh. off. Always uh-huh. cackling. Honestly, we're crazy.
1: What's new, my gals? What's happening? Uh, oh, just getting out of that holiday season mode. Oh, trying to get back to normal life. I feel that. I feel that.
2: It's a uh, balmy nine degrees up here in Massachusetts.
0: Ooh, this evening. We love Chilly. that. Yeah. You staying warm? Oh, yeah. Just staying inside. Yeah. <laughs> she does what she can to survive. She does. The chill. You must. I honestly wish it were a little chillier here, but.
1: It's what it is. It's pretty chilly today. It's very dark out. It's been making me a sleepy sleeper. I've been wanting to take a tiger nap all day. (laughs) There's also a little drizzle happening. Yeah, a little bit. A tiger snooze.
0: Yeah. Honestly, the winter is hard. I personally like when it's dark outside, but it's always like shocking when you look out at like 530 and it's nearly dark. Mm. It gets dark here at four
2: in the winter Oof. yeah I don't wanna, yeah. I want to talk about
0: it <laughs> thoughts and prayers babe mm-hmm. I um, I went and I had like a body work session last night so I was like face down and it started <laughs> at 530 so like at 615 I flipped over onto my back and I saw outside and I thought I had transported because it was pitch fucking black <laughs> and
1: I was like whoa wait what happened <laughs> What an experience for you. A whole new world. It really (laughs) was. (laughs) That's great.
0: But I made it. I made it through. Anything spooky happening?
1: Oh. Hmm. Hmm. No. Not for me. Yeah, I know. It's been pretty quiet. I truly wish. You know, when I was in Breckenridge, I... I stayed in a hotel that was pretty spooky looking and it was very old, but I did not get mm. haunted. Oh, damn. I know. It's It was called the Lodge at Breckenridge and it was hidden away in the mountains. So it was like, you know, almost Shining-esque, you know?
2: Nice.
1: Yeah. But, uh, Oh my gosh. Speaking of, I'm finally going to get to go to the Stanley. No, you are? Yes. <gasps> yeah. You did not April. tell us this.
0: Yeah, I'm not staying there, but we're we're going to go check it out and do the tour. So
1: good. I am excited. It. I love my family ah. and I rated our worst hotels the other weekend at dinner. <laughs> and that was two people's number one. So, oh, damn. <laughs> you can guess it was mine and my mom's. Yeah, yeah. but that was dad's fault. Was. We, you know,
0: but the thing is that like we like something a little bit more opulent. We like a little bit more class. Yeah, you know, air conditioning. No shame to the yes, yes. <laughs> we like the the simple things in life, but also something a little fancy. We like to treat ourselves when we can, you know. I tell you what is true. She yeah. likes to go big, or she goes home. Uh, yes. I just I just stay home, you know, I don't even bother yeah. going. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Well, should we get into it? Yes, I'd all say right. so. Let's do it. We're the golden ghouls, Alyssa, Kylie, and Emily. And it's time to get spooky. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> I would say I am overly excited for this episode topic. Me too. Are you? Yeah, I am. I'm very excited. So uh who who wants to kick it off? I can kick it off. Okay. Kick it, sister.
2: Alyssa, you wanna tell the people what we're talking about? Oh today? yeah. Okay. <laughs> we're talking
0: about cases that have been solved by psychics, mediums, clairvoyance, whatever you want to call them. Yeah, like murders, disappearances that have been solved by these folks very cool stuff.
2: So now we get a better understanding as to why Alyssa is so excited because, you know, she's a little bit sensitive. She's got something. Yeah. We're talking about her people. Yeah. My folks Her folks. All right. <clears throat> I'll start it off. So in August of 1987, Elizabeth Cornish, a 42-year-old mother of five daughters, was murdered in her bedroom in Belvedere, New Jersey. Oof. I know. Rough. Her children were grown, so she, um, I think only one of them lived with her at the time in their apartment complex. And Belvedere was, or is, a very small, you know, quaint town about an hour outside of New York City, and crime wasn't often seen, let alone murder. So poor Elizabeth, she had been beaten to death. She was struck twenty times with oh. a claw hammer as she lay in bed. Oh my gosh, That's what they call overkill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Being a dead horse. Oh So she was facing here, let me give you some imagery. Oh. <laughs> she was facing up. And her arms were bound behind her with an extension cord. Jesus. It's just, it's rough. So the attacker had repeatedly struck her, as I mentioned. And there was a 360 degree blood splatter pattern across and around the room. Whoa. Which is pretty gruesome. Yeah. So that person, you know, was severely angry Um, whether it was at her specifically or just they were... uh, I mean, of course, they were insane, but, you know, this person was just a horrible person. (laughs) Yeah. So Elizabeth's boyfriend found her in the early morning and immediately called the Belvedere police. Dave Heater, then a lieutenant detective for the Warren County Prosecutor's Office, went to the apartment complex and conducted a crime scene investigation, uh, but they could not find the weapon. He also had all the tenants in the apartment complex complete a polygraph test, and they all passed. So at this point, the focus and the main suspect was Elizabeth's boyfriend, who continued to plead his innocence. Uh, Nancy's sister felt that you know the boyfriend wasn't responsible. She felt that something, something wasn't right, and due to due to the lack of evidence, requested that a known psychic, Nancy Weber, get involved with the case. I wasn't unaware that you could make that request. I think that they had um, a bit of a connection. So Lieutenant Lieutenant Heater stated that he was comfortable with Nancy. Working on the case because they had worked together in the past. Mm. In fact, they had an experience with another psychic in the '70s, um, and this psychic was so accurate that it was scary to him. So in that case, uh, she had picked the barrel out of 150 others that contained the murder victim. So Lieutenant Heater, you know, was felt pretty good about having, you know, a a known psychic help out. So Nancy, she had been a psychic or at least aware of her ability since she was a child. And according to Nancy's website, which was not up in 1987, but it's up now, Nancy describes herself as a long time practicing nurse, a medical intuitive, animal communicator, psychic, medium, and more. Back in the 1960s, she became interested right away in all things holistic and the environmental effects on us and the planet. So in a documentary I was watching on this, uh, Nancy said that her visions aren't always pictures or images. Sometimes they're sounds or feelings, um, which was interesting to me because I never really thought of how psychics actually receive the truth, you know, I, I did assume that it was all like via visions, but I hadn't really thought that, you know, there are other senses involved. So Nancy was brought to the crime scene, which still had the blood all over the walls. And this is a quote from Detective Heater from that day. As soon as she walked into the apartment, she insisted that the evil was upstairs and whatever happened had come from upstairs. She later described a man with a scar on his face that wore a large belt buckle, Western style, <laughs> and had the initials J.R. She also envisioned a swamp. Hmm. So when the detective told Nancy that the upstairs neighbor with the initials JR for John Reese had taken and passed the polygraph, she said, go talk to him again. Meanwhile, the autopsy report came out and revealed that the original assumed time of death was not true. So Reese was brought in for further questioning as his previous alibi was ruled out. So he did not have an alibi for the actual time of death. So that was another big red flag. Reese was caught in several lies and eventually ended up confessing. So he told the police that After the murder, he had tossed the hammer into a patch of woods near a road on the sod farm where he worked. Detective Heater mentioned that Nancy drew them a diagram of a road with a patch of woods in a watery area, or perhaps swampy area, beyond the woods. Her diagram matched the location that Reese had given them. They then did a shoulder-to-shoulder grid search back and forth through the woods, and then they did find the hammer with human blood on it that matched Elizabeth's. So here's another quote from Detective Heater. As we searched the woods, it was interesting to me that we did come up on a swampy area. If I were Reese, that's where I would have thrown the hammer. In some places, there were six feet of water, and it was crawling with water moccasins. If he had thrown the hammer in there, it would have been very difficult to find. Nancy, my partner, and I kept looking at Reese. Otherwise, he might have been dismissed as a suspect because of having passed the polygraph. Nancy's information was very accurate. It's just that it was so scattered, you have to make sense of it. It's all a puzzle, and you have to put it together. So John Reese was sentenced to 110 years in prison, and the case was considered closed thanks to the psychic abilities of our queen, Nancy Weber. Go off, Nancy. Wow. And she offers private sessions. Um, she no longer works with the law, so mm. do not ask her. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wow. But she also, she writes poetry and I think folk music she's just she wears many hats
0: wow mm. we we stan antsy yes um there are some folks in my group who do like remote viewing and can find things or um like pick up feelings and have been like able to find people so it's pretty pretty crazy stuff actually one of Bronwyn, one of my dearest friends, lost her wallet recently. And so I reached out and was like, anyone picking up vibes on where this wallet is? Mm. And everyone was like, yeah, I see it here, this, that, and the other. So pretty crazy stuff. But I also wanted to follow up on like how um, psychics, mediums, whatever you want to call them, like how people can pick up messages. I know that a lot of people think it's just like visions so the visions are like that's clairvoyance, that's the seeing part. So they're called mm-hmm. the clairs. Gotcha. So those, okay. there's also clairaudience, which is the hearing. Clairsentience, which is like a feeling. Clairalience, which is smelling, because sometimes you get like sense. Then there's clairgustance, which is taste. And then claircognizance, which is like knowing. So that's like a, a big thing is like the clairs, so to speak. That's kind of how people get messages in different ways. But
1: I see. Yeah, Love it,
0: it comes to people in, in different ways. Sometimes I, I've like recently started getting um, like sense and taste, which is new to me um, and definitely can be very weird. So I bet.
1: You know, yeah,
0: I can't wait to hear more about this as your skills progress. Like
1: unless it's something tasty, oh yeah, and
0: And it's Mm -hmm. it's um it's particularly weird because it started popping up like when I'm dreaming, I can smell the places that I'm dreaming about. Oh,
1: that's and I've
0: I've woken up a few times because I'm like, what is that smell? Thinking it's like in my house, it's Waffle House. (laughs) And then I wake up and I I can't smell it. So it's bizarro. Very, very weird. But uh, I can follow that up with a a little story. So this one is pretty cool. Um, I kind of framed mine like more around the psychic and a little less around this disappearance because she has helped solve like more than one. But... um, I'm going to talk about Lori Cabot. So she is an American witchcraft high priestess. So she's a witch and Ooh, a medium. She's a big deal. Yes, it is a huge deal. Um, and she's the author of several books, including Power of the Witch and The Witch and Every Woman, among many others, all witch related. Um, they're all still in print. So you can get a copy if you're interested. But from an early age, she felt a connection to witches, although at the time, she didn't exactly know what a witch was. She just knew she had this, like, kinship to people who were of a certain mindset, so to speak. Okay. So, according to Lori, her heritage actually includes a long line of witches including this mysterious woman who lived some four to 5,000 years ago whose genetic memory she feels she possesses nearly 100%. Wow. Oh. Which is wild. So
1: she's like her.
0: Yes. I mean, yeah, that's what it sounds like. By the age of six, her psychic gifts became apparent and she was constantly getting in trouble for discussing information that she had picks, picked up through her extrasensory perception. So her parents were like, Cut it out, Lori. (laughs) From her father, who was a science-oriented man and didn't believe in the metaphysical, she ended up developing a lifelong interest in science, which ultimately kind of dovetailed into her interest in witchcraft, the occult, and the paranormal. Um, She started looking at those through a kind of scientific lens, so to speak, As an adult, she founded the Wiccan Cabot tradition of the science of witchcraft and the Witches League for Public Awareness to defend the civil rights of witches everywhere. Um, So a lot of her work included, um, like, speaking out on how witches were portrayed in the media and things like that. So when movies would come out, she would say, like, this is inaccurate, basically. <laughs> She'd go, uh, actually? Um, yeah, she she wanted to like keep it real with the public, okay. um, basically, which is pretty cool. She lives in Salem, Massachusetts. Oh, neighbor, oh Kylie. Yes, where, where she, she once owned the town's first witch shop, established in 1971. And today, she still operates the shop as an online store. It closed its brick and mortar in 2012, but... Basically, she's credited with, um, like, bringing the, the witch shop to um, Salem and kind of making it what it is today. Because now there are tons of, like, mm-hmm. practicing psychics and witch shops and, and magic shops and things like that. So she is widely credited for doing that work. Pretty cool. Um, and she's actually known as the official witch of Salem.
1: Oh, it's not Kylie. Love it. No, it's not.
0: <laughs> Kylie <laughs> is um, Kylie is the second the official alien. The second the official, official alien. <laughs> <did you> <laughs> yes, that too. But back in the mid seventies, nineteen seventies, obviously, <laughs> um, Governor Michael S. Dukakis bestowed her with the state's Patriot Award. This award is issued by the governor to honor citizens of the public for public service leading to the betterment, enrichment, and welfare of Massachusetts. So this is like a pretty high honor in the state. The proclamation was signed by the governor and the treasurer of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. And it reads, I proclaim Lori Cabot, the official witch of Salem, for her work with children with special needs. So she... She's done a lot for the community, and she's really just a a cool lady from everything I've read. Uh, This was actually the first time in history that a high-standing politician openly recognized a witch for their good work, and the proclamation continues to serve as a symbol of hope for all witches— as well as a testament that witches have a place in America and are recognized as practicing a legitimate and honorable religion dedicated to good for all. So, this was like pretty big for for all the witches. Now let's let's travel back to 1991, a great year, if I do say so myself. Mm-hmm. Um, local Salem artist Martha Brailsford was reported missing by her husband. So, Tom Maimoni, a friend and neighbor of Martha, who she was last seen with, reports that they went sailing and she fell off of the boat when a rogue wave hit it.
1: Mm-mm. You know what Whoop. this sounds like? Sleeping, a lie. Sleeping with the enemy. Julia mm-hmm. Roberts. <laughs>
0: yep. <laughs> um... And he doesn't report it, which that's interesting. The police had to come to him several times before he's like, oh, wait, yes, she did fall off the boat. So the police start searching the bay for her body and they can't find it. So that's when one of the investigators on the case reached out to Lori, who was known around town and beyond for her clairvoyant and magic abilities, including locating missing people. So she did a spell where she used Martha's name, her um, location of birth, and her birth date. And she worked her magic and had a vision of what happened to Martha and where she was. Hmm. So in the vision, Lori saw Tom make an advance of the sexual variety Uh on Martha. Tom was married, by the way. Okay. Dirty Tom. Uh, and uh, Martha rejected him, so he dragged her to the side of the boat and struck her in the head. In the vision, he put weights on Martha's hips and tied an anchor to her feet and tossed her overboard.
2: Jesus.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's pretty rough. Lori described where Martha's body was in the water down to the fact that in the distance they would see a lighthouse, very, like, distinct description of this place that they were going to find her. And not long after, this fisherman found Martha's body in his fishing net in the exact location with an anchor tied to her foot and a diving belt around her waist, just as Lori described, the uh, lighthouse was in the distance and everything. (laughs) Wow. So when her body was discovered, Tom went on the run. (laughs) Idiot that he was and investigators couldn't find him. So naturally they turned to Lori once again. She went into her trance state. She actually made a doll. Um, I think it was like white corn husk. She made a doll, named it Tom and did this trance like (laughs) state. And she had another vision. This time she saw Tom shaving his face in a cabin and sensed he was on his way to try to cross into Canada. So she took it one step further, and she performed a binding spell to ensure that he would make a mistake so stupid that he would be caught by authorities. Okay. I know. Go off, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Three days later, in a small town near the Canadian border, police arrived at a cabin because neighbors had called and said that they spotted a car they didn't recognize and there were lights on in the cabin when they knew the owner was not in town. Police discovered four signs of entry and then found Tom inside the cabin. As Lori had stated in her vision, he had shaved his mustache and was on his way to cross the Canadian border. Wow. Pretty crazy, right? Nailed it. Yep. Yep. I mean, honestly, and what a stupid mistake to like go into like a small cabin community where people probably know each other
1: and are going Mm -hmm. to know when their neighbors aren't there. Like Yeah, dude, like, cool. you don't need any rest. You just need to keep driving, bro. Right? But no, <laughs> they
0: caught him. Um, he he was ultimately charged with the crime, and he ended up passing away um, in prison. He was sick. Jeez, apparently I'm losing my voice because I have not spoken all day. But if you want to learn more about this specific case, there's actually a book. That was written about it, titled A Scream on the Water, A True Story of Murder in Salem by Margaret Press and Joan Noble Pinkham. And it also goes into detail about the work that Lori did on the case. But she also assisted in numerous other investigations for missing and murdered people. A few notable cases include the disappearance of Salem resident Gail Knowlton, and the disappearance of a New York socialite named Irene Silverman. Hmm. And you can actually still find Lori practicing today in Salem. She continues to offer readings both in person and online. Oh, let's go so, when we go. It's pretty pretty exciting stuff. She is 88 years old now. Wow. She's old. <laughs> yeah, but she is doing the damn thing and... Putting in work, so. we love to
1: see it. We do love to oh. see it. She's a queen. All right, I'll finish us off for the night. I'm gonna take us back to 2005. Ooh, yeah. I didn't. I had a, a weird time in 2005. I think I was in middle school. So yeah, we would be in middle school, yeah. eighth grade, I would guess. Right. Well, in 2005 in Columbus, Ohio, a young woman, 20 years old, named Ashley Howley went missing. She was a dancer in Ohio and was dating a pretty suspicious man named Robert P. McMalcolm II. And he was obviously among the first suspects when she went missing. They searched his house, his yard. They searched everything with dogs, but nothing was found of Ashley. And this case ended up going cold for some time. Mm. It was years later when our girl, Christy Robinette, a psychic from Detroit, Michigan, was visited by Ashley. Yeah she was sleeping and she said she got awoken by this girl who said to her that she had been murdered and she needed Christie's help. Um, she was kind of stunned obviously, and shocked by this, you know, woman standing in her room, but she like, you know, started to question her a little more. She said that although Spirits often appear to look human. This girl had a gray tint to her and she was partially translucent, but she could tell that she was clearly a spirit that had crossed over and was and hadn't yet passed on. So as the girl started visiting Christy, it became clear to her that she was murdered and she wanted to avenge her death. She was really like you know certain about it she wanted her killer to be found so christy automatically began searching the internet trying to find girls that matched this description that were missing and she ended up landing on a blonde-haired 20-year-old named ashley howley after Christy contacted the police. The police were like, yes, we know who Christy is. Like Alyssa's psychic, they had worked with Christy before and they trusted her. And so they were like, come on board. We'll actually even give you contact to the family since you know so much about Christy from these nightly visits of yours. Um, They- Christy was able to recollect clothing that Ashley had on and just a lot of information that wasn't released to the public. So it was clear that Christy knew what she was talking about. So they got her on board and she was able to, with her visits from Christy determine that the actual killer was Christy's or Ashley's ex-boyfriend, um, McMichael the second. And he um and she had determined that he did murder her and bury her body using cement. And so that is why the dogs were not able to find her.
0: What a He's, bastard.
1: Yeah. Christy also said that in that Ashley had shown her some um light-colored pines in an area, and that is where. Ashley's body would be found. So Christy contacted the police, took a trip to Columbus, and with the help of the family and a park ranger, they were able to come across an area with these pines that Christy had seen. And she um, and she requested and requested for them to dig because the area actually happened to be next to McMichael II's father's home. But the police wouldn't dig, obviously, because they still had to get, you know, whatever they needed. They needed police stuff.
0: They needed warrants, probably.
1: But it was about two more years when McMichael was actually arrested for two other murders, Oh, my God. He ended up killing his mother and her boyfriend. He beat them to death and buried them in a similar manner as to what Christy had described for Ashley. So while he was arrested and he was offered a plea deal. And with that plea deal, he revealed the location of Ashley's remains. And guess where they were?
0: In the pines. Right
1: where Christy had said, in those pines. Yep. Damn. Christy out here doing some work, dude. That's our Mm -hmm. gal. Christy Robinette. She's a psychic medium. She's an author. And she began seeing spirits at the age of three. When she was eight, the spirit of her deceased grandfather helped her escape from a would-be kidnapper. And it was then that Robinette realized that she had a special power. Whoa. Yeah. As an adult, she's often called upon by the local police department to examine cold cases, like we said. Um, And she's gained a solid reputation for being an extremely accurate psychic and um, profiling and giving new perspectives to unsolved crimes.
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: So, um, yeah, check her out. She's got a lot of books out there. She's got It's a Wonderful Afterlife. (laughs) I love that title, Cute. right? Guided in Spirit by Edgar Allan Poe. That one sounds interesting, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. True Stories from a Psychic And She's got a bunch of them. Um, so yeah, look her up, Christy Robinette. Um, she teaches psychic development and par- paranormal investigating at local colleges. And she lectures across the country.
0: Wow. Mm-hmm. I find it so interesting that Ashley was coming to her versus, like, Christy being sought out to help on the case. Like, that she, was, yeah. she brought herself into it. I think that's really interesting. Right. That
1: was something that somebody had said, that um, it was usually the police coming to her, but yeah. Ashley yeah. found her, which was yeah. interesting. not the norm. That was the first yeah. time that it happened. I, um, I've had
0: dreams where I'm, like, reading newspaper articles about someone who's missing— um but I could never get the name and I've I've talked to my mentor about it and she's like in the future I think that you are going to
1: find people who are missing so we'll see that would be sick dude so honorable yeah it's pretty pretty cool
0: I mean I'm amazed by these these ladies so same it is amazing yeah, for sure. And,
1: and they, these are just like a few. There are so many so stories like many. this. And, um, and Christy said in one of her articles, she was like, you know, I think a lot of people don't realize that they do have this kind of intuition and can mm-hmm. tap mm-hmm. into certain, like you said, the Clares, you know? Yeah. And it's pretty interesting, dude. It's pretty cool. Wow. Much to think about. Mm-hmm. Much to think about. I
0: know. I'm like, can we just, do a, a million episodes about these different cases because it's just it's wild. Like the different methods that they've used. Um, like Ashley came to her. Lori does her trance-like state. It's yeah. She's Lori's also using witchcraft in unison with her own abilities, her psychic abilities. So just pretty cool. Pretty damn pretty wild. Cool. We love yeah, it. Pretty wild. Well, you crazy kids, this was fun. Um, We're planning our next investigation, which I can't wait for the people to hear all about. But Mm -hmm. that's that's just a little teaser of something to come. So I can tell you I am spooked. I'm a little bit scared. I'm honestly like I'm nervous. I'll say that much. I am nervous I am excited. <laughs> Kylie is crazy. <laughs> She's wild. There's gotta be hopefully this is this is the place where I
2: experience something. We'll see. Mm-hmm. I don't
0: know, it could be. I yeah, I, I don't want to reveal too much, but I am I'm definitely spooked. So twenty twenty two, I think if corona doesn't go too far, um I think it, it could be our year. A big year for it's us. A big so, year. Yeah. All right. <laughs> You guys have a great day, evening, whatever you're having. And until next time, stay spooky.